And matter of fact, if if also if you're getting a sermon title today, my sermon title says, Your Giant Ain't All That in a Bag of Chips. Your Giant Ain't All That in a Bag of Chips. And certainly when we think of giants, um, David and Goliath is not just a a Bible lesson that we learn in Sunday school, but David and giant has hit the secular world. And uh, the world knows what David and Goliath means. Uh, Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall, and uh, we have nine-foot ceilings in this building. So Goliath would not be able to stand in this building. He'd have to duck his head. That's how tall this giant was. And when you look how God raised up David and, and used David, we've shared the story that David said in Psalm 55, 51 and 5, in iniquity I was conceived. There's a very good chance that David was an illegitimate child. When the people demanded a king, and Samuel told the people, you don't need a king, but the people demanded a king. And a king was chosen because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was selected, and Saul disobeyed God. And Saul did not follow after the way of the Lord. He got caught up in all of that royalty and all that majesty and uh, disobeyed God. And when, when, when Saul disobeyed God, God's presence left Saul. And God went to Samuel and said, I, wanna, I want to anoint a king. I want to anoint a king. And I remind you today that you are anointed kings and priests of the Most High God. The way that David, that God sought after David, so has God sought after you. He knew you'd be here today, and he has stuff for you. You're not going to leave the way you came. You're going to leave different. In the worship, we, we feel God's touch. We feel his hand. We feel his presence. We feel his provision. And we realize he's in control. It's kind of sad that we can't meet every single morning at 1030 and just spend the first hour worshiping and praying, and would that be incredible? And there will come a day. There'll come a day when we will have our own harp and our own stuff, and we will rest not day and night, but we'll be before the throne of God, and we'll be praising and worshiping and enjoying that in that moment. But on Sundays, we get to come and just enjoy the congregation, enjoy the worship, enjoy what God is saying and what God is doing. But God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse and uh, told Jesse, I'm here to anoint a king. One of your sons is the king. And so Jesse lines him up from the oldest to the youngest, and uh, Samuel stands in front of the first one, Eliphah, and, and uh, gets ready to anoint him. And he said, this is a good-looking kid. He's tall. He's, he's handsome. He's got, he's got muscles. This is a good-looking kid. And, and God said, no, it's not him. So he went to the next son, Lemuel, and uh, looked at him and said, surely this is the one that God wants me to uh, anoint as king. And God said, no, he's not him. And he went through every single son, all seven sons, and God did not say any one of those was the king. Matter of fact, here's what God said. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. And Samuel looked at uh, Jesse, kind of confused a little bit. I'm at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. I'm not sure what's happening, but somehow there's got to be some more sons. And then Jesse said, Oh, yeah, there's the baby, David. And David is taking care of sheep. And, and uh, Samuel said, we're not going to sit down until you go get him. And I don't know if you saw that. We're not, we're not, we're not going any farther until you get him. Let's stop right there. You're a line in the sand. Here we are. We're not going farther until you get him. 
And when, when, when David came in from, from the field, uh, Samuel looked at David, and, and uh, God said, that's the one. And God anointed David king. Well, it'd be a pretty cool story if immediately he went to the palace and the castle and became the king. But he didn't. He had to go back to the field and take care of a bunch of smelly sheep. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around sheep uh, at all, but they're stupid. They're dumb. They don't have a whole lot of ability, uh, a whole lot of character. They're just there. But God told David if he would be faithful in the little things, that God would make him ruler over many. And I think about that sometimes when we get a word from the Lord or we receive a touch from God or something happens in our life and we leave the building thinking, man, things are really going to be different. And you walk outside, and instead of one tire being flat, two tires are flat. Do I have a friend in the house? It seems like when we get around a good service, I, I heard that Friday night was one of the best services that Christine had ever been a part of, and I don't know how many would witness that. But it's, when we leave services like that, we feel like, man, we're ready to go and take on the world. We're ready to kill a giant. We're ready to do, do whatever it takes. And then it's like, no, got to be at Duracell, 7 o'clock in the morning. Got to be at Eminem Mars, 7 o'clock. And, it, and it's like we, we cherish those moments, but those moments don't seem to catapult us into the place that we want to be with God. And David went right back to the right back to the field, right back to taking care of sheep. But David did something while he was taking care of sheep that I want to bring to your attention. David, in all those hours he had with nothing to do but watch over a bunch of dumb sheep, the Bible says that David perfected the heart. David had an anointing that was incredible. When David would play the music, and probably was music he wrote and he came up with as he wrote most of the Psalms, when he would play that harp, the Bible says that demons would flee. I'm telling you, we get together in the house of God, and we begin to worship God, and we become that instrument of praise and that instrument of music. We're going to clap our hands and sing. Every demon in hell is terrified at what we're projecting, and sometimes we don't have the, the tenacity to stay there long enough to make a dent in the kingdom, and sometimes we, we fail to realize that we have just won the spiritual lottery, but we don't go turn in the ticket to collect our bounty. Uh, I got a phone call several months ago, and a very a son of this house called and said, hey, he said, uh, I've, I've won the lottery, and I want the church to have it. I said, that's awesome. I said, well, what, what do I do? He said, well, you, you need to get the ticket, and you need to go to Dalton at a certain uh, office, and you need to go, and you need to, ca you need to go and cash it in. And so I took Courtney, you remember? And we went to Dalton, and she took the, the ticket inside, and sure enough, they gave us $1,000. But you know what? Had we not made the offer, had we not made the effort to get the ticket and take the ticket where it needed to be and have the right identification and the right stuff, that $1,000 would have never been off. So I believe when we come to the house of God and we get to worship, we get to praise on that instrument that God has given us, I think things begin to shift in the heavenlies. And I think doors begin to open. And I think that mountains begin to lower themselves that we can actually see over the mountain that's trying to intimidate us. But if you come on Sunday morning and just feel good Sunday morning, well, you could have stayed home and taken six Benadryl and probably had the same feeling. You know what I mean? I mean, you can, you can work this up in the world. You can work it through alcohol and drugs, and you can get the same high. But when God brings us here, it is to change us and to anoint us 
and to armor us to send us out to take back what the enemy has stolen. Go ahead and give the Lord. And that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. The second thing that David had done, David had perfected that sling. He was so good with that sling that the Bible says as he ran towards the giant, he began to sling that sling. And the, <coughs> the only place, hold on. The only place that the enemy was not covered was right between his eyes. And, you know, if you read <coughs> Jack Reacher or Mitch Flynn and you read those stories about assassins, that's exactly where an assassin will aim, right between the eyes. The only place the enemy was vulnerable, God knew, told David, David run, slung the rock, and knocked the giant out. I believe a lot of times in our worship, in our prayer, I think the intensity of our worship and the intimacy, I believe we knock the giant out. But that's not enough. There's another step. We've got to go and take what the enemy intended to use against us. Joseph said, what, 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 you, what, what you intended to use against us, God has turned it around and worked it for our good. The very thing that's used against us to try to hurt us and harm us, we are to take that thing and cut the head off of the giant's head, and that giant cannot raise up and threaten us and intimidate us again. When he got ready for, when he got ready for battle, when he got ready for, the, for, 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 for facing the giant, the Bible says that Saul tried to put his armor on him, and David put it on. He put the helmet on. He put the, the shin braces. He put the shield. He took the sword, and he took all that, all that armor. He has all this armor on him, and he says, wait a minute. I can't defeat the enemy with this stuff. I've not practiced it. I've not tested it. I don't know that it's going to work. I don't know that it's any good. He said, I'll tell you what, though. I was taking care of my father's sheep, and a lion roared against the sheep, and I killed the lion with my bare hands. And then there was another time when the bear roared against my father's sheep, and I killed the bear with my bare hands. If I could take on a lion and I can take on a bear, I really believe that I can take on this Goliath especially because there is bounty and booty offered to take out the enemy. There are rewards given to us for doing the right thing. Listen, he killed the lion because he had to. He killed the bear because he had to. He killed Goliath because he wanted to. And that's a big difference. That, that's a big difference because you know what he heard? He heard, if you take out this giant, you will be wealthy. And, and the Bible says we're rich in Christ. We are rich. We have our, our brother owns everything, and we're joint heirs with our brother. And, and the, the Lord, anytime he wants, can bless us, prosper us, speak into our heart, speak into our spirit, give us a business, give us inheritance, give us a job, give us a dream, give us a thought. Oh, I spent some time with Pastor Steve, and there's a guy in his church that somehow is, is, is operating in quantum theory. And when he, when he began to talk to me, he lost me immediately in the conversation because I'm not all into fiber. I don't know how fiber optics and all that works, but there is something getting ready. NASA has it right now, and this, this, this man in his church is selling this to NASA for $75 million. And when, he, when they take this quantum, whatever this quantum energy is, and, and they flip it, it will be 10 times faster than any kind of communication that we have right now in the world. And that's just, a, that's just a guy. Matter of fact, I'm trying to remember what he did. He worked at a, um, 
seemed like he worked at a feed store selling manure and hay. I mean, he wasn't a genius. He wasn't a college graduate. He was just a guy that allowed God to touch his mind. He opened up his mind, began to speak, and God began to show him colors. And, and they're going to travel actually through colors. And, and he begins to write it down. He begins to document it and begins to share it. And all of a sudden, NASA wants it. There is no telling what kind of dream that God has given you. Listen, if your dream does not frighten you, it's not big enough. If your dream does not frighten you, it's not big enough. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes, Pastor Scott told me this yesterday. He said, sometimes the blessings of God is so big, he has to bring a giant to deliver it. So when that giant goes down, there is financial support attached. He said, the second thing, if you kill the Goliath, you get the princess. Every knight in shining armor wants a princess. Every one of us want to have that, that fantasy. Well, We're going to live and not die. Every, every, every child, I think, dreams of being a hero, whether it's James Bond or, or William Tell, but every one of us have this fantasy of cutting off the dragon's head and then, and then getting a princess, and everybody once upon a time wants a princess, and that's exactly what God said. You do what I tell you to do. You knock out the giants in your life. I'll bless your marriage. I'll bless your home. I'll bless your husband. I'll bless your wife. I'll give you a princess. I'll give you a prince. I'll turn things around in your marriage if you'll take out the giants in your life. The third thing he said was, if you kill this giant, your family will never be taxed again. Most of you don't realize, but your family is watching you like a hawk. And when you, and when you, and it's almost, let me say this carefully, it's not that they want you to fail, it's that they expect you to fail. Because many times in life, we did fail. And we did things wrong, and, and, and we upset the apple cart. But they're watching us. And when they see us healthy and whole and blessed, then all of a sudden we become a voice to that family to make a difference. I received a phone call, actually a phone call and a visit. And so yesterday I went to a home of a man that's dying. Uh, he's been given three to four weeks to live, and uh, he has leukemia. And uh, we were there, and we began to talk, and uh, he began to share with me uh, what he wanted me to do at the funeral. We're praying that God will strengthen him and touch him, and, and, uh, but the, the cancer doctor has given up on him, and uh, the hospice now has intervened, and uh, they said uh, it might be two weeks, it might be two months, we're not sure. But yesterday, I asked him for permission to take up an altar, to do an altar call at his funeral. Because his kids are going to be here that don't know the Lord. He's going to have relatives there that don't know the Lord. So when you kill your giant, it opens the door for you to be able to change the destiny of families. Listen, you get the dad saved, you're probably going to get the whole household saved. You touch, you touch mom's heart, it touches dad's heart. But we are sitting here with all this potential, and we are in the middle of a, of a family that's frustrated and in trouble, that has no hope, and we are that hope. But if we don't step up the bat, if we don't get the place God wants us to be, that he can bless us, then our family's going to die and go to hell. And as Pastor Rhonda, as Pastor Rhonda mentioned, I've, I've cried to 90% of my ministry. If I minister somewhere, I give an altar call. And Sunday morning, I was in a very healthy church, hundreds of people there, a very healthy church. But at the conclusion of the eagle, I gave a call for salvation. There were four decisions for the Lord. So that, and that God can put you in the middle of a family that there's four people there that need to hear what you have to say 
and they will receive what you have to say. And because God has honored you, you now have a testimony that makes a difference because they know you. Family knows you. Listen, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool your family. You can't fool your cousins, your aunts, uncles. They grew up with you. They know all about you. And they, they know. And when they see God change your life, they get jealous, which is awesome. And they say, I want what he's got. I want what she's got. I think Pastor Ronald preaches a message entitled, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what he's having. Or maybe one of the sub, somewhere. Did you preach that? Yeah, they, there you have it. I'll have what she. People watch our life and get so jealous of how we're tuned into God. And we go through bad stuff. But it doesn't seem to freak us out. Now, on the inside, we might be freaking it out, but we know how to play it. Hello? We wear it well. We can fake it just as well. Oh, you know, you're, you cut your foot off. Okay, just get some duct tape, tape it back on. We'll be okay. And, you know, it seems like, it seems, it seems like we'll go through storms and we'll go through tribulation. We'll go through tragedy. And we, our voice is clear. Our, our, our shoulders are back. Our head is up. And people look at us and say, how do they do that? By the grace of God, do we do that? By the favor of God, his hand on our life. I actually have some notes here. It's four minutes till, till 12, so I'll tell you what. How about if I just go to the back and preach for everybody? That works, okay. If you will. Oh, the, the second half, okay. Today, in your life, you need to realize that there are giants you have already conquered. There are battles you have already won. There are places in your life that you didn't quit. You didn't give up. You didn't throw in the towel. As I reflect on my life, I look at some of the stuff that, that I went through. The, there were times in my life where I had to drive home with one eye closed because I was so drunk, everything was spinning, and I couldn't focus with two eyes. I remember there were times in my life where I put way too many drugs in my body that I, 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 I should have overdosed, I should have died, and I didn't. There's been, there's been things in my life that I've gone through. I went through a divorce, but I didn't freak out. I went through a bank, bankruptcy and didn't freak out. I went through a real bad car wreck and didn't die. I, I fell off a cliff. I fell out of a tree. I flipped a four-wheeler. When I look at all the giants that have tried to take me out, all my giants, the Apache War said, are dead. All my enemies are dead. Everything the enemy has brought against me is dead, and now I can remind the enemy, hello, of what I am in Christ. And going right to the very end of this message, the Bible says I am more than a conqueror through Christ. How can I be more than a conqueror? Being a conqueror is cool. How can I be more than a conqueror? Well, let me illustrate, if I may. I'm going to assume this morning that the welterweight boxer of Russia, world champion. He's defeated every boxer he's got in the ring with. He's bad, he's mean, he's vicious, he's a killer. And this boxer has challenged the champion of America to step in the ring for 15 rounds to see who will be the champion of the world. And that champion of America is Pastor Todd Haggard. He has been in the ring He's beat Andre, he's beat Hulk, he's beat The Rock. He is a lean, mean fighting machine. He even whipped Ant-Man when he went to 12 foot. He is bad to the bone, he is muscular, he's in shape, he does sit-ups, he got a washboard for a stomach. 
He's got biceps. He's got triceps. He hits like lightning. He's like, he's like, oh, he could, he, if, if Allie was still fighting today, he'd take him out. But hit like a bumblebee. And so he gets in the ring with the champion of the world, this Russian warrior. They get in the ring. They go up. They pound each other. They trash each other. They hit each other. They fall down. They get up. They choke each other. They're going after round after round after round. A couple times it was like Pastor Todd was going down, but he got back up because greater is he that is in me than he in the world. He pounced. He, he, began to, he began to swing. And in the closing seconds of the 15th round, Pastor Todd delivers an uppercut to the chin of this Russian champion, and he falls down the couch. 10, 9, 8, all the way. And Pastor Todd is declared the champion of the world. They give him a check for a million dollars. He's defeated. He's now important. He's now popular. He is the conqueror. Pastor Todd takes that check home to his wife and gives it to Missy. Missy did not get in the ring. She didn't work out. She didn't get pounded. She didn't, she didn't do anything. He's the conqueror, but she's more than a conqueror because of what? Do you get it? Because of what Christ did at Calvary, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. Don't you love the Lord this morning? How did, I ended that pretty quick. It's one minute after twelve. How cool did we do? Just for a moment, if every head is bowed. Just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you've wandered away from the things of God, you love the Lord, you love God, but... Lately, you really haven't made that a priority. And lately, that's not really been the most important thing in your agenda. This morning, you came to a safe place, a safe house. And this morning, you enjoyed the music, you enjoyed the worship, you enjoyed the presence of God that you felt. And you don't really want to leave this place without that presence. You don't want to leave this place without that, with that, without that anointing. You sense God is near. You feel you feel God is right there, you just reach out and touch it. If that's where you're at this morning, I promise I won't embarrass you or bring attention to you. If you wandered away from the Lord and you're not where you need to be this morning and you know it, you just put your hand up to where that count is the one. Everyone this morning. How about you? This hand that was lifted to the Lord was worth it all. The Bible said, what should it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But what should it profit a man to see the salvation of his soul? Father's hand that was lifted to you, we acknowledge that you are the Lord and you are God. And we have fallen short of the mark. And we're not where we need to be. But we ask you to come into our heart, to wash away our sins, to make us your child. I declare this morning that not only are you my Savior, but you are my Lord. I will serve you. I will follow you. I will listen for you. I will be what you want me to be. These giants in my life that have tried to take me out, I'm going to defeat them. You and I, Lord, together, we're going to take it on, and we're going to make it happen. My life is going to be different. The plans I make are going to be different. The people I hang around with are going to be different. The things I listen to are going to be different. The places I go are going to be different. There's going to be a change in my life because this morning I've recommitted my heart to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And y'all said, amen. Amen. We'll give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation this morning for his goodness and his mercy.
uh, going to give you a chance to sow into the kingdom. Malachi 3 encourages us to be involved in tithe and offering. We know that tithe is out of obedience. Uh, offering is out of generosity. And we give above and beyond what God asks us to give. God has a tendency to go above and beyond what he told you that he would do. He always makes it better. Look at somebody and say, I am a force to be reckoned with. I am a force to be reckoned with. Wouldn't it be something if you had a dream and you dreamed about quantum physics or you had a dream about the color of light and, and you begin to write it down and people like NASA would be looked for it. Wouldn't it be something if God used you? Wouldn't it be something if you had this wild and crazy idea like maybe something like yogurt and you thought up yogurt and you put, you put shops up all over the world, some kind of thing to eat that's a blessing to everybody. You never know your potential. 